Welcome to BIO, a podcast produced by the Biographers International Organization. BIO is devoted to promoting the work of biographers and advocating for biography as a genre with the support of biographers and biography lovers worldwide. I'm BIO member Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. On each episode, we'll talk with a biographer about his or her work. Even though he'd been recruited as a young man in the early 80s to play for the Yankees, the superstar athlete Bo Jackson chose to attend Auburn University on a football scholarship because he'd promised his mother he'd be the first in his family to go to college. That did not hold back a spectacular career in Major League Baseball, in the National Football League, as a Nike pitchman, and as an entertainment star. This mythic athlete is the subject of writer Jeff Perlman's latest book, The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson, published in 2022 by HarperCollins. I love talking about what we're about to talk about. Let's start by talking about unauthorized biography okay? and how to so many people, even people in the biography world, unauthorized biography, and I know this because I've written three of them, is a dirty word. And I've been watching, I've been following, Bo wrote some tweet yesterday. Mm -hmm. Is it about you? I assume no one else. I'm assuming so. Okay. So Bo told you when you approached him that he wasn't going to talk to you, but he didn't tell you not to write this book. And then Mm -hmm. I see a tweet is out right now. If someone releases an unauthorized biography, it means they're using someone else to profit for themselves. Don't be fooled into thinking this is a true representation. So now that this book is out, Let's talk about this reaction that you're getting from your subject who basically didn't clamp down on you, but is, I guess, now chastising you. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. This is my first rodeo. It's my 10th book. And I've written books where a lot of people spoke. And I've written books where the primary person didn't speak. I wrote a biography of Walter Payton. He was deceased. I wrote a biography of Brett Favre. He didn't talk, but almost all of his family members talked. Kind of run the gamut. And um, I always say this first and foremost, like I never get mad at someone for not speaking. And I always try to think of it from their perspective, which is you're Bo Jackson. And I come up to you and I say, hey, I want to write a biography of you. And he says, yeah, I don't know who you are, but how much are you going to pay? I'm not saying he said this, but this is the natural. And I say, well, I can't pay anything. And he says, all right, fine, but at least I can can have some involvement, right? And what makes it and what doesn't? No, you actually get no involvement. Well, can I at least have some criteria of things you can't write about? No, sorry, you actually, so I don't get paid. I don't get final say. I don't even get to read it beforehand. What's in it for me? And I always think that, right? And I think what's in it for them is a definitive biography. Like it means you matter. It means you're important. It means your life matters. It means someone thinks, I want people in the future to know about this person. Mm -hmm. I want, I think this person's life is important enough. And you know, Bo wrote an autobiography, wrote, you know, in quotes, because it was with Dick Schaap, legendary sports writer. So he did about autobiography in 1990. He was in his 20s. It wasn't even 30 yet. It was a really good. I mean, I loved it as a kid, but it's not an all-encompassing definitive biography of a life and time and the impact you had and et cetera, et cetera. And, and the other thing I always think, and um, I'm not saying he needs to feel this way. I even understand not thinking this way, but like, I just feel like, can no one write a Donald Trump biography but Donald Trump? Can 
Can no one write a Barack Obama biography but Barack Obama? Can no one tell a story, the life of Marilyn Monroe, but Marilyn Monroe or her relatives? The same for MLK, Malcolm X, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, Reggie Jackson, on and on and on. Can no one tell those stories except the people themselves? Because you, you end up with a very limited, very biased look at history. You just do. And I consider Bo Jackson a historic figure. And I think someone, people in the future deserve to know about him and his impact. And I'm not saying I'm telling his story from his vantage point. I'm not. Only he can do that. I'm telling his story from an outsider looking in. So is it as simple, which I know it's not, as explaining to people out in the world, there is a difference between a memoir and a biography. And there's a difference between a memoir, a biography, and an authorized biography, because people do write them. We talk to people on this podcast about books they've written either in conjunction with someone or it's been commissioned. But this is a particular sort of biography. It's the kind I prefer to read. I don't want to read somebody's memoir because mm. I know it's biased, you know, in their direction. I want somebody like you, especially since you've written 10 books, to be educated about how to research, like your stroke of genius. You love this book that Dick Schapp had co-written with Bo years ago, and he left that audio. It was almost as if he left that audio to Auburn University and was waiting for somebody like you to come along and listen to it, right? I mean, it feels like those pieces are out there, and I'm just fascinated. I was so excited to talk to you about this because it is something that that even people in this group of biographers can't probably agree on, which is that unauthorized is often a dirty word. And even those of us who know it isn't a dirty word, I know whenever I say unauthorized, that people feel like I'm being icky. It's somehow- I never use the word, never. I never use it. It sort of evokes this idea that you're going in and you're looking for the dirt and you just want to ruin this person's life. And you want to, you know, write this yellowish stuff. And to me, I mean, I grew up with Bo Jackson's posters on my wall. You know, I freaking love Bo Jackson. Doesn't mean it's a, a hand job to Bo Jackson, but it means it's, it's that was kind of crude, but you know what I mean? It means it's a, a look at his life that's fair and honest and detailed. And it also, there are stories from his life that he told, all right, in his autobiography, for example, he had a story about growing up and going to a neighborhood farmer's house with a bunch of friends and him and this friends bringing these bats and beating the crap out of the hogs, okay? Which might be the origin of his nickname, Bo, because they were boar hogs shortened for Bo. And he wrote about it in kind of general sense. Why well, go to Besmer, Alabama? And I want to find the farm where it happened. And I want to find the farmer whose hog he killed. And I ended up, the farmer's dead, but I spoke with his son at length. And I learned all about the guy who owned this farm and owned this land. Bo Jackson writes about his time at Auburn and he writes about it in these glowing, loving terms. But to be an African-American kid at Auburn University, arts conservative, white as white can be in the early 1980s was something, you know? And like, I wanted to write about that. I wanted to delve into it. He chose not to, that's fine. When Bo Jackson was at Auburn, he had a teammate on the football team, a running back named Greg Pratt, who died of heat stroke during a workout. It deeply impacted Bo Jackson. It deeply impacted that entire team. Greg Pratt's name does not appear one time in Bo Jackson's autobiography. I think it's worth talking to. And the other thing you can do with this stuff that's important is the great moments from Bo Jackson's career, um, running up the wall in Baltimore, throwing out Harold Reynolds at home plate, leading off the All-Star game with a home run. Well, 
when he writes an autobiography, he's going to tell you what it was like hitting that home run, what it was like running up the wall. I want to know what it was like standing next to him. Willie Wilson was in the outfield next to him. So he talked to me at length about what he felt. And I interviewed all these major league baseball players who said the day after Bo Jackson ran up the wall in their own major league parks, they were trying to run up walls to see if they could do it too. When Bo Jackson led off the All-Star game, I wanted to find the kid in the outfield who happened to be a BYU law student who got the ball in the outfield. I want to talk to the center fielder. I want to talk to the on-deck hitter. I want to give all these perspectives. The reason I hate the term unauthorized is because I'm not looking for you to authorize it. I'm not seeking your authorization. You are a historic figure. I'm allowed to write about you and the impact you had on others. What is a better word? I'm wondering. Biography. It is a biography. It's biography. And, and also, if you think about it, there are very few, if any, really authorized biographies because they're really become autobiographies. Most authorized bio, quote unquote biographies are autobiographies because right. you're writing it from a certain perspective. You're getting the person's approval. If it's authorized, you're getting the person's approval. You're showing it to them before it comes out, meaning that it has the slant of their own opinions and how they want things. When Bo Jackson was at Auburn, boosters were paying those players left and right. They were all handing them money, which Bo Jackson is one of 11 kids from Bessemer, Alabama, grew up dirt poor. He deserved that money. I have no problem with that whatsoever. But he's not going to write about that at 28 years old in 1990. That's an important sort of thing to leave out that all these players are getting paid, that boosters are all over the place, that the entire Southeastern Conference is a dirty conference. But he wouldn't write about that because it's his perspective and he needs to be careful. What made you, just to go back to you for a second, what made you, you love sports, you became a sports writer. What made you want to write biography, which is so much harder, not that it's easy to write sports journalism, but mm -hmm. what was the transition point for you? Um, first of all, when I was a kid, I grew up in a tiny town, uh, Mailpack, New York. And um, the Mailpack library was a mile from my home. And I used to run to the library and take out sports books. And I'd run home with the sports books. And I got to the point, one librarian would call me ahead of time and say, Jeff, we just got the new <laughs> Reggie Jackson book in. We'll hold it for you. If you come down now, we'll hold it for you. And she would call me and hold books for me. And then my dad worked in nearby Stanford, Connecticut. He would stop at the Stanford library, bring me home books. And I'd be sitting in bed reading biographies, autobiographies, absorbing it, absorbing it, loving it. And wow. um, I think sometimes people forget like these little moments in life, but the librarian calling me and saying, we have these books for you was enormous for me. Um, <laughs> I love her. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I have a soft spot, obviously, I'm sure like you do for librarians. And um, yes. And then um, I was writing for Sports Illustrated and a friend of mine named John Wertheim did a book about Venus and Serena Williams. And we had come up at SI together and I thought, I can do a book, I bet. I can try doing a book. And around that time, an agent sort of called me, I guess, serendipitously and said, um, I was, a, you know, I was a baseball writer at SI. It was a, kind of a big job at the time. And she said, have you ever thought about writing a book about the 86 Mets? And I said, I hadn't, but I do think it's a pretty good idea. And I got a book deal, didn't know what to expect, didn't know what to think. I wound up making the New York Times list, which I certainly didn't expect or think. And here I sit, 10 books in. I really do love it, actually. Warts and all. Well, it's so gratifying just hearing you talk about all the lengths you went to with the people in outfield, catching balls, all the minutiae is so you have to be wired a certain weird way to love it. And when you love it, you get it. The people I just talked to are the same way about their subject. So it's, um, it's a hunt and yeah. it almost, for me, it becomes a collection. Like I print out every transcript of every interview and I get a, kind of a thrill over the folder getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And when you hit hundred interviews and you hit 200 interviews and you hit 300 interviews, 
and you feel like I'm really getting this. Or like, just an example, Bo Jackson played in a college all-star game, the Japan Bowl, which is very obscure. And I just became obsessed by the Japan Bowl. And I, I interviewed probably 25 different players in that game. I found a cheerleader named uh, Wendy Rossman who still had all the flyers and the schedule. She had it all stored somewhere and she sent it all to me. And when that package arrives, I'm just like, oh, this is the best thing ever. So I, I, you know, I'm like you, I'm a total nerd. Yeah, you have to be. But I love that you've crafted this career for yourself being a total nerd about sports, which is kind of cool. I'm more of a nerd about writing and research. I don't love sports in the way I did when I was 12 because that would actually be weird. (laughs) I just love the dig, you know? If you told me you could, if you told me you'd, you know, give me a working rate to write a book about the guy working at 7-Eleven down the corner, I'd be really into that too, you know? Right. So what would you tell someone and I'm sure people ask you this all the time, if they were similarly enchanted, either paid to write the book about the guy at 7-Eleven or enchanted by a subject, preferably, what would you tell them if they were just starting out? How would you explain it to them, uh, what they're about to embark on? I would say you're about to swim through sort of hell and heaven, sometimes simultaneously. And You know, like my wife, just as an example, who's the best, she doesn't need to hear another Bo Jackson story. You know, like I, (laughs) you become so obsessed and so excited and so OCD about every detail of whatever life you're writing about. There was a time I wrote, where I wrote the Walter Payton book, I would take runs and I would imagine him running next to me, which is super psychotic. I mean, the, the man was dead for 15 years and I would just have this thing. And you have dreams about the subject. I've had dreams about every subject I've written about. And I think the one thing that is important, like I wrote a book about Roger Clemens and it's my one book regret because I was never that passionate about it. I never really lived the subject. And if you're going to spend two years of your life singularly and narrowly focused on one subject, you better at least be interested in the person and want to do it. So don't just take it like the Clemens book was a, was a money grab for me. It's the only book I ever did for money. The reason was money. It was a good payday. And I regretted most of those days doing it. Are you the kind of person who always knows what you're doing next or is it, I'm sure it's different each time. I am not. I, uh, I always have ideas, but I don't always know. Yeah. You're not working on one while you're finishing the other necessarily, or. I mean, I am working on a new book now, <laughs> I guess. Yes. In a way I'm kind of dodged. Cause I don't, I can't tell you the subject because I'm super paranoid about, I'm just paranoid about this one, but I'm actually going to take back that lie. I usually am like, not, not when I'm working on the book, but as soon as I hand it in, I'm always like, all right, I'm going to take a week or two. And I usually take like three days. And then I start thinking, well, what's next? What's next? I'll talk to my agent. What can we do? What can we do? What do you think of this idea? What do you think of that idea? And um, I think people think, maybe people do, like you lose your passion as you get older or you lose your mojo. I'm 50 years old. I don't feel any different than when I was writing my first book at 30. Like I'm super into it. I love the challenge. I love diving into a new subject. Um, And by the time you're done promoting your last book, you just want to stop talking about it and you want to move on to your next subject. Right. So it's good. And do you always, again, with 10 books, I'm asking you just because most people don't have 10 books. Do mm. you always write part of the book before you sell it? Or do you always sell the, try to sell the book before you even embark on it? I mean, I know you always have to write proposals probably. I've been waiting to get to this moment in my career for my new book. I did not have to write a proposal. It's my first time. I hate writing proposals so much. It's always been my least favorite part of it because 
if you're going to do your research, if you're really going to dig, you can't tell someone what the book is going to be beforehand because you have no idea where it's going to take you. So to be like, this book is so-and-so and to break down the chapters, I always knew when I was doing that, I wasn't deliberately lying. I just always knew it wouldn't end up the way I said it would. Right. It's almost like a date. <laughs> a little bit. proposal is a little bit like a date. You have to right. look fabulous and you don't really know where it's going, but you have to know enough where it's going that you can conceivably get a book deal. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky thing to explain to people who haven't done it before. I mean, I do think for young writers and for new, I think your, your book proposal should be super tight and really good and really strong. Um, I'm happy that it took me 20 years to get to a place where I actually didn't have to write a book proposal for the first time. I hate writing book proposals. I really do. I hate it with all my heart. I think there's a, a fair number of us. <laughs> in that camp. Um, just before we wrap up, what do you think plays out with this book with your subject this time, since your subject is young and, or active, what do you hope will happen? Do you mean in regards to the book? Yeah. I mean, I hope he reads a book, thinks, oh, wow, this is actually, this guy did his work. And like, even though there are a few things he probably won't love, they're very minor. And I hope he says, wow, this is great. And I hope he sees like the attention that hopefully this book brings to him and his career and the importance of his career. And says, wow, this is actually beneficial. Now, will that happen? Probably not. And I, I do feel like there's a, a unfortunate suspicion among retired athletes, maybe retired professionals, retired famous people, who always think this guy's just trying to make a buck. This guy's just trying to make a buck. Right. If considering this is three years of my life, if Bo Jackson saw my, how much, how much money I made a year for this book, he'd laugh at that suggestion. If he saw how much money I actually spend promoting the book, he'd laugh at that suggestion. And I always say like, if I wanted to, I could have written a shitty Bo Jackson book. I could have done just off of clips and articles and they would probably accepted it. You know, could, they wouldn't know what's new material, what's not necessarily. And I could have done that, but mm -hmm. I, I do this out of freaking love. I really do. I write these books out of love and out of passion. And I don't know how he'll feel. He can be a cranky, he's kind of a cranky guy. Um, he oftentimes thinks people are just trying to take advantage. And again, if you want to, I'll happily show Bo Jackson my pay stubs and OC. This it's not what he thinks. I hear you. No, that's great. I'm so glad to meet you. I really well. your time. I know it's busy right now in particular. So I'll be looking out to see what happens next. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Veteran biographer Jeff Perlman's latest book is The Last Folk Hero, The Life and Myth of Bo Jackson. I spoke with him via Zoom on October 17th, 2022. You can hear more about bio on our website, biographersinternational.org. I'm bio member Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles, California. Alani Hodge created our theme music. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. <laughs>